This is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football on Macquarie Radio, NTS News Talk Sport. You're with Rob Gilbert and Dean Hennessy tonight with Michael Edgley over in Saitama. More on that later. We'll talk to Mike on the ground in Japan. First edition news in a minute, but after a night where all the Australian football fans sitting in front of their TVs at home and those who'd travelled to Japan were left worried that the Socceroos World Cup hopes had gone from strong to perilous. Every supporter of the world game in this country was left genuinely reeling with the news that another icon of the sport had passed before his time with the loss of Michael Cockrell at the age of 56. Well, of course, we'll dissect the Australia-Japan game in detail. We'll also pay tribute to Mike, who was a regular on the show and whose stellar career with Fairfax and latterly Fox Sports earned him a spot in the Australian Football Hall of Fame. To get started with the review, though, of the game, we'll chat to John Cosmina, then Edge, for a sense of how the fans of both sides reacted. And, of course, we'll wrap up the first hour with Dino, who's going to be in throughout the show to talk through everything going on locally and, of course, the results in this week's FFA Cup and the quarterfinal draw. In the second hour, we'll kick off with second edition news, then a chat with Melbourne City new signing Dennis Genro. And Dino and I will go through the international scene before we wrap it up with stoppage time. But... Uh, Dino, um, look, to start off with, uh, let's pay tribute to Mike Cockrell. I think that the story of uh, life and death is is bigger than a, a game of football. And uh, Mike Cockrell uh, stood tall above the, the game in this country. And I know he was my, my first real introduction to understanding the game. Yeah, look, it, um, I suppose Les Murray started this off, you know, earlier, you know, uh, this month, I guess, with the funeral there. And... You know, to lose two people in, mm. so, in quick succession. Um, you know, Mike, I've met, didn't know really, really well, but mm. met him, shook his hand, said hello. Um, again, will be sorely missed. And a lot of these guys were synonymous, certainly to me, you, you know, as an import coming in back in the early 80s, to then have, you know, these guys coming at, uh, maybe not so much Les with his age, but certainly with Mike, I think, was it 57? It's, uh, mm. it's five, you know, I'm 52, so it's, it's five years away and... You know, exactly. you don't you don't even want to think about it. But look, from a football point of view, we've lost someone uh, that was really valuable. And in fact, he uh, commentated on FFA Cup mm. games that we were involved in. Only so four weeks ago, he was four weeks ago. So you know, it's 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 going to hurt. And I think that seemed for me to set the tone last night uh, on the whole the whole you know production from last night's game, um, mm. where it, it just all of a sudden went from I guess from bad to worse yeah yeah exactly and uh, you know from my point of view I know um, many people of my era 50 years old would uh, would attest people that didn't come from a football background who grew up with uh, with other games like rugby league and uh, Australian rules football rugby union of course uh, Mike taught me to really love the game I mean I know I, I bought the Roy the Rovers comic books when I was a paper boy as a kid and, and watched match of the day and things like that but uh, but to really understand what the game meant uh, uh, there was no one else that I could talk to who could explain it in a way that uh, that Mike did and uh, I used to love getting a hold of the Sydney Morning Herald and uh, 
and reading it and uh, and really going through it in detail and uh, um, and getting a sense of what of uh, of what the game was all about in this country and uh, and for him to to lose his life so early with his wife and his son and daughter uh, tragically for them um, his uh, his departure is just way too soon. Well, certainly you know to to the family you know we wish <clears throat> we wish them you know I mean the time right now is where everyone gets together. Uh, but it's funny you say about um, football and and who influences you mm, in your life. Mm. You know, I had the been brought up in Britain, little spell in America, and then in Australia, mm. it was the Les Murrays. That was the only yes. with the SBS. It was the only real message we could get. And then there's the Marks of the World and mm. Peter Desira from the old days and Laurie Schwab. You yeah, know, these all yeah. influenced my life. Wrote stuff about me. Hopefully, it was nice <laughs> from memory. Uh, but yeah, look, it, they have an influence on your life, and I think. You know, the new generation, like my kids were mm, watching mm. the game last night, you know, they were all shocked. I remember Matt yeah. coming in just before kickoff going, what's happened? And, yeah. and we were all like shell-shocked, I guess. So. Yeah, exactly. And um, and so generous to us as well as, a, you know, a, a burgeoning football program trying to uh, to... to Make some headway and a footprint in um, in a in a very busy media landscape in this country. Um, you know, a Hall of Famer like Mike, as so many other people in football in this country, have been uh, very generous to this program as well. So, uh, well, I think we're very blessed there as well, and I, and I guess it's it's also one. I think we we we'd like to think that we're putting on a a good show that's that's detailed and it's quite varied. And uh, a lot of these people, you know, give up their time to come on and mm. help us to dissect things that we need to know a little bit mm. deeper. And uh, without them, we haven't got a show. So, yeah, exactly. it's, you know, for all of the contributors throughout the time I've been here, which is nearly coming up to what? Nearly two years. Nearly yeah. two years. It's um, it's really important that we have that network of people because they share all what they think about the game. Exactly. Valet, Mike Cockerell, uh, we'll talk about him more as uh, time goes by. But the game itself, Dino, uh, we're going to talk to Edge on the ground. We're going to talk to Cozzy soon uh, to dissect it. But um, what a disappointment it was in, on so many levels. Uh, uh, the um, the loss of Aaron Moy before the game up to illness, um, the uh, uh, just the way the whole game played out, um, there was a sense of, uh, of pressure early that the Japanese were very composed and they left some of their most senior players on the bench. Uh, everything just seemed to work out for the, for the Japanese uh, and on the flip side, even our close chances were uh, were just on the wrong side of the post. I mean, look, they were, they were under quite a lot of pressure and um, in fact, when the goal was scored, mm. I thought the game was quite evenly balanced you know mm. they, they might have shaded it with regards to the attacking approach and maybe half but we'd chances. held out for those yeah, opening we, 10 minutes of pressure we, we and... look comfortable mm. Rob you know and look it I mean it, it, it's going to be highlighted you know you only had to look at social media as soon as a goal mm. went in and mm. it, you know mm. and it's hard and I feel for Brad Smith but yeah. bottom line is he's not playing football regularly he switched off, and why wouldn't he switch off? You know, he's playing reserve team football in England. Well, Ange was hoisted on his own petard, to quote Shakespeare there, because he uh, has consistently said, and we, amongst many other people in the media, have uh, have called him out on this, uh, where he's, he's said he's going to pick players who are playing first-team football, and uh, and he consistently picks Brad Smith, um, and, and we've been supporters of Brad Smith, but uh, in that pressure cooker environment where every moment counts um, the instincts need to be at their very sharpest don't they Dean? look it's pre no, it's not pre-season it's early season even then you mm. know for the boys who were playing abroad and 
but it's the same for everyone. You know, the, mm. the Japanese players are coming from different parts of the world to come mm. back and play, and they're in the early part. Mm. So we're all it's all pretty even. But the one thing you can't buy mm. is consistent, competitive mm. football against quality players. Mm. So all of a sudden, you know, you're training and playing, and then all of a sudden you're playing reserve games, and then you come up against a quality player. Mm. And then all of a sudden, you know, you switch off for one moment and it can be the difference between getting a point over there and, I mean, one foot through the door to all of a sudden now it's it's mm. hanging in the balance and we're now relying mm. on Japan to do us a favour. Yeah, exactly. So um, to, to paint that picture, just in case anybody doesn't know, I'd expect that every single person listening to this program by now would be well and truly across it. But uh, but we, we now play Thailand on Tuesday night in Melbourne. Must um, we must win that by multiple goals because uh, now difference. that we've lost by two, we're, we're behind uh, Saudi on, on I think uh, we can do two. that. I mm. think we can do that. Mm. I mean, I know they gave us a hard time over mm. there, but I mm. think from memory, the king, but, the, the king had passed away. He, he, so they were quite... He had, but, um, but I, I've got a few uh, uh, mates uh, with Thai connections in Melbourne and there's going to be a big tie presence in Melbourne at that game uh, so don't uh, be surprised to Certainly hear not underestimate no way football. in the world <laughs> just imagine you know, we, we, you know it's like to, to watch a game of cricket at the MCG when the Sri Lankans are playing they make they a lot of noise so they do. the ties are you know they're not used to seeing that national side play in front of a full house so so there'll be a lot of noise there for the ties and uh, and they're handy uh, quality side um, who, uh, who are passionate about their football so that's not going to be any walk in the park and then after we achieve, hopefully, what will be a, a, a strong win, we then need to rely, and this is where you know you really can't count uh, on the uh, the Japanese to do us any favours because they're, they're going to be deflated heading to to Saudi Arabia. Not deflated; it's the wrong word, but but the emotional letdown, having already qualified, they they, they don't need to do anything. They could lose ten nil and they're still going Look, to Russia. I, I think I think Japan. Uh, especially with the pressure that they came through, there'll be a relief that they got mm. the job done. But being professionals, they've got a bank of boys on who, right. are, who didn't get on or get on for very little time. Yeah, like they the Shinji Kajo, KSK Honda, those sort of guys. You only need a draw. You know, they need a draw, it's a point. We get our three, we're through. Mm. Mm. Uh, but if it goes the other way, then we have to go the hard route. Yeah, and it is a hard route because we've got to play the Uzbekistan or South Korea and then play uh, one of the uh, the CONCACAF uh, uh, sides. So, look, Dino, there's plenty of news plenty to get to through, including uh, the observations of people like Mark Bosnich, who was very hard on uh, on uh, the team after the game. We'll go through that in, uh, in second edition news. But, look... Let's chat to John Cosmina after the break because Cosy uh, will rule a, a line through the entire game, uh, see what we did well and what we didn't, and uh, and then we'll uh, hopefully start to set our sights a bit more positively on the future. Exactly right. Thank okay, you. so Cosy's next on Box to Box. That's after the break. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal. Welcome back to Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. Now, uh, John Cosmina needs no introduction when it comes to football in Australia. He uh, is right across what happened in Saitama and he's joining us on the show to dissect that. Cosy, welcome. Morning, guys. Hey, Cosy, before we do, um, can you just reflect for us on uh, the loss of Michael Cockrell? Um, it was a really um, it was a shock to many people, but um, those who knew him uh, knew he was battling with cancer and uh, just a good bloke, a good uh, football man, oh, and uh, gone too soon. It's um, it's really hard to sort of put words to describe Michael because he was he was such a, an exquisite wordsmith himself. The way that he wrote and the way that um, he presented football to the mainstream was um, was exceptional, and it is it's a tragic loss for the game because he. 
Um, you know, I've read in the Sydney Morning Herald that you know he was a, a great champion of football when he was. He loved the game. He was so passionate about it. And um, it's just sad that you know we've lost him so early. The game, the game has lost a um, a great warrior because mm. uh, that's what he was. He he just all he thought about was the development and the, the recognition and the expansion of Australian football. They love the Socceroos. Um, I wish they could have got a win for him last night. Yeah. Uh, I think we'll qualify for the World Cup anyway, but that's another story. But, um, yeah, it's, um, we've lost one of the greats, definitely. Just on that, because it's Dino here, um, any uh, fond memories with Mike or any funny stories that you can tell on uh, on air? <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, there's, there's lots of different ones right? Michael and I go back a, a long long way and um, you know he always wanted to be one of the boys at times and there's a few nights that we went out and and had a few quiet ones and um, he was never good at having quiet ones and um, he could have one or two too many and he would just disappear just, you'd just look around all of a sudden he'd be gone and that was um, he did that quite often oh, um, superb yeah, it was really, you know, it was great. But, um, mate, he's just a fantastic guy, you know, and he's gonna, his loss is going to affect a lot of people because yeah. he, he he crossed all, the, he joined all the barriers. You know, he was a glue that, that made a whole lot of the warring factions of the game in Australia actually stick. He was a guy that was in between and he could see both sides of the argument and um, he could put together a rational, I guess, solution for things. And he was a forward thinker as well. And that's why... You know, not just the way that he cared or talked about the game, but um, some of the, the things that he proposed. You know, you know, he talked about us being in Asia five years before it ever happened. He mm. he, he just saw things, solutions that, that fitted the, the politics of the game. So you know, that's that's we're going to miss that kind of that kind of thinking. No, we will, and uh, obviously well respected right throughout the game. You know, even for the people who didn't really know him that well, I think I only met him once or twice. He was always polite. Uh, but I suppose to focus now is uh, what were your now now you know uh, it, it was last night. What's your thoughts now on on reflection? Look, I I'll be sort of oh, blunt, I suppose, but um, the Socceroos didn't surprise I think with the way that they performed if you look at this whole World Cup campaign it's um, it's been you know one bad step after another to be perfectly honest we have not played well at all uh, we've had moments uh, where we've done okay uh, but I think if you look at it and look at last night in isolation we need to be really thankful to the UAE because they've done us a massive mm. favour yeah. three days ago Um a massive favour. Uh, the thing now is that uh, we really have to look at at where we are in terms of Asian football. I think, you know, from a playing perspective, Japan were a better side. They've got better individuals. Um, good, you know, we've got players, some in Germany, some in other parts of Europe. Japan have got like 15 or 16 of their squad that are playing in, in really, really good clubs in Europe. We're lower tier. Um, so we've got to look at where we really are and, and put things in perspective. And We're not the best team in Asia um, at the moment. We may have won the Asian Cup, but even if you look at that, um, we were pushed the hilt, and luck did fall in our favour during that Asian Cup. Um, let's be honest. I think you earn your luck, and I think the way that the Aussies went about the Asian Cup um, earned them a lot of luck. And, you know, you get luck from Endeavour, and we had honest Endeavour. We put in... 
you get out what you put in and uh, and we got something out of it. But it um, it hasn't been really great since. I mean, we played okay in the Confederations Cup, but that's it's um, it's a different sort of competition, isn't it? Uh, and look, I guess the thing about that is you can say that the players had a good week or so to prepare for the Confeds Cup. Mm. You get two or three days, and it, it seems that when we come in for these. World Cup fixtures, we just don't get the preparation right. You know, the cohesion's not there. We're a little bit better at the back, I think, with Matty Speranovic, but um, not really, if you look at how the first goal was conceded. You know, Brad Smith, there's question marks over whether he should have been playing in the first place, because he's only playing reserve grade football for his club. You know, would Alex Goosebash have been a, a better solution? Um, and then the big question mark comes back to the three at the back as opposed to the four at the back. Um, you get a back four and you probably wouldn't have been in that situation in the first place um, when that cross came in and I thought the numbers weren't matched up properly in the box anyway with, you know there's sometimes where you've got to go man for man at the back Japanese kept the guy central and it occupied two centre backs we had probably more numbers it was, we were um, I think it was four against two if you really look at it mm-hmm. um, four Australians and two Japanese and no one really picked up and you know the old story about you know let's get bodies in areas and get behind the ball but the thing is it doesn't matter if um, you're not in the right areas and you're not picking people off and that's what happened with the first goal the second goal was a, a good finish but we turned over the ball um, again um, unnecessarily too much playing out from the back you look at the way the Japanese went about it tactically strategically they they were smarter than us they played second ball they went long and they're normally good at, at knocking the ball around and, and shifting it they went long um, and competed really well, picked up the second ball, played the game in our half of the pitch. Mm. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to John Cosmina about the uh, loss, uh, the Socceroos' loss to Japan in Saitama and and our hopes uh, going forward. And as you said, Cosy, we we had a big favour done our way um, with the UAE. And really, no matter what happens, uh, doesn't matter how much we win by, if. Uh, Saudi Arabia can get the result on Wednesday morning after that game, then it's all academic because we're going to finish third at best. Um, you know, there's a, a, a mathematical possibility of us finishing equal third to UAE, but let's just discount that because it involves Australia losing to Thailand, which we just can't uh, consider as a realistic possibility. So, uh, do you? Uh, uh, how do you see the likelihood of, of that one? You, you said at the top of this conversation um, that you think we'll still qualify. Um, do you think we'll qualify because Japan will get a result against Saudi Arabia or uh, or, or through the, the more it's difficult a, route? It's a tough, tough trip for the Japanese. They've, they'll finish first in the group no matter what. Um, you know, will they need to um, send all of their players um, off to, to um, the Middle East to play a game that's virtually a dead rubber? Um, you know, will he, will the um, Ali Hazard look at uh, maybe trying things a bit differently? I don't know. Um, you'd think the Japanese, with their their culture, their football culture as well, mm. would want to win this match, though, and they want to win it convincingly. Um, so you would hope that they'll go there and, and and give it their best shot. The Saudis have have got wounded pride um, mm. from their loss to the UAE. They're, you know, they're next door neighbours, and that that uh, really would have hurt. Mm. Um, so, you know, they have to get a result. So they're going to be up for the fight as well. And they're a good side, the Saudis. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And they're at home. They've got to perform at home. If you look at um, the way that they played against us, all right, we got the we got the best outcome. But um, they opened us up a few times. Yeah. Um, and we're a little bit lucky. And so, um, look, I, we can't worry about that match. Yeah. I think all the Aussies have got to do is 
and just say we have to beat Thailand and we yeah. have to beat them well. And it's not just you know one or two or three. It's got to be more than mm. that. But that's not going to be easy. You think no. back of the, the there's a two all result in the the um, the game in Bangkok, and our two goals were penalties. Mm. You know we couldn't score against them. They scored against us in open play. So. Um, it's not going to be an easy match. The thing is that you know we all know that the Asian teams don't travel all that well. Coming to Australia is a fairly daunting task, so that's in our favour. So we just have to say we've got to get a result, um, play the best we can, and you know the the rest of it's in the lap of the gods, so to speak. Yeah, and speaking of wounded pride, just to reflect back on that Japanese um, uh, squad that will play Saudi Arabia, the one hope that uh, that I guess we can uh, cling to is that. Um, that some of the, the the stars of the past decade for Japan were not selected um, against Australia, so they'll have a point to prove um, to uh, the coach to going into the World Cup year. Now that they've qualified, uh, you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't think the likes of Keisuke Honda and Shinji Kagawa et al are going to, uh, to to not want to be in the starting squad. So hopefully uh, that will be um, the difference for us. Yeah, look, it's, it's um, they're quality footballers, Kagawa and Honda as well. Um, although they are getting on a little bit, but having said that, they've still got something to offer. But you look at what um, a bit of youth did last mm, night, and how yeah. um, you know there's that you've got to have that competition for spots, and um, you get that vibrancy with younger guys that come through. That you know they the way that the Japanese were throwing themselves about, even you know after they scored the second goal, um, they just weren't going to let Australia get back into that game at all. It was. They really got um, they got stuck in. They played with desperation. They played with passion. They they played really like if they played with. If you want to talk about playing for the shirt? They played with a lot of pride last mm, night. Yeah. Cosy, um, you work on Fox Sports as we know. We see you every weekend on there, and obviously last night, uh, Bozza and uh, Robbie went pretty hard, uh, especially after the game. Had you been there and sitting alongside them, what would your feedback have been to obviously yeah, everybody yeah. listening? More of the same. More it's, of the same. Um, yeah, it's look. It, I think we've got to, you know, you, you sell it as a coach. Sometimes you can sell a sell a story, and you get people to believe that story. And the thing is that um, the thing is you need outcomes to back your story up, and we're not mm-hmm. getting them at the moment. You know, the the, the three four three, it, it forget it. it. It doesn't work. It doesn't suit the players that we've got. Um, let's just. Concentrate. I mean, we need variety. Robbie Slater said we need to mix it up, and we do. Matty Ryan's one of the best distributors of the ball in the game, yet everything went out of his hands. Not once did he even knock one longer. Mm. Um, why not turn him around? It's, you know, this philosophical argument about, you know, we just keep playing football, we keep playing football. It's um, it's a furphy. Mm. It, um, the best teams in the world change things up. Mm. You know, the best footballing sides in the world you know, whether they be national teams or club teams, change things up. Um, you know, it's easy to hang your hat on a philosophy, but when you get outcomes like that, you've got to start questioning. Yeah, yeah. So and, uh, I would have agreed with them completely. I mean, there's a lot of things you can pick apart without going into too much detail. Yeah. Uh, do, do you think it's a results-driven sport, and we need to get results. Do, do you think Ange gives the players their own uh, head to, to make decisions in circumstances because we, we've no, talked about that already. Yeah, It doesn't appear that way. I don't think way. he does. No, I don't think he does. They play a certain way and that's it. Otherwise, you know, the talk was, you know, what would happen to Matt Ryan if he just put one down for a goal mm. kick and just went up the other end of the park? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, is now, he, players is he thinking... need licence to make those kind of decisions. That's, 
decision-making is part of the playing process. Mm. And it's up to a player to be able to assess whether he can play long or not. You know, if it's not working and you're getting caught, and we got caught a few times playing out from the back. You know, we end up getting caught in our own back third. Sometimes it doesn't hurt just to knock it long. And for what? For the sake of, oh, it's not so pretty if we don't get out there. I know it works when you can play out, but there's a time to play, there's a time not. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Cozzy, um, you always cut right to the heart of things and um, and you tell it, as you see it, uh, Hopefully, uh, your prediction at the top of this conversation will come to fruition, and uh, we will reflect on uh, on the difficult road that uh, that was to get us to Russia. But uh, that's a, a fair maybe few days. Maybe we need to do it the hard way, though. Maybe yeah. that'll maybe we need to do it the hard way mm. to actually learn some lessons from mm. the whole scenario, mm. and then go on with it. You know, we did it um, back in two thousand and five, mm. um, albeit through a different qualifying group but mm. um, you know you got to look at who's it? Uzbekistan they might end up third in Syria even uh, are, are in the, the mix now that uh, South Korea got a result um, over the weekend so that you know emotionally internationally that'll be a massive story for us to go against yeah and then we go into the um, the CONCACAF the American, mm. yeah the CONCACAF so look maybe we need to do it that way yeah. but um, sometimes you've got to take the hard road that is if you learn the lessons. That is if Ange is yeah. listening. And that is if he takes on board some of the, the very well-meaning advice of, uh, of very experienced people in this game. Um, hey, Cozzy, thanks again, mate. It's always no good. You're very not. generous with us uh, all the time on Box to Box. Um, thanks for your reflections on Mike Cockrell as well, who uh, is, is such a keen loss. And uh, it really puts everything into perspective as well. So It uh, does. It does, mate. It's a football game. Um, you know, and we're getting upset about that, um, you know, the loss of someone like Michael is far more important. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to you next time, Cozzy. See you, guys. Stick around, because Michael Edgeley, my host, as a rule, is sitting there in his hotel room in Saitama, ruining the lost opportunity, and he's going to tell us what the fans on both sides, uh, or how they reacted after the game. That's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. For Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, they're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box on NTS News, TalkSport on Digital Radio. You go streaming on the World Wide Web, and of course the podcast on Box to Box, NTS.com.au. Now we've dissected the game with uh, John Cosmina. Now it's time to dissect what it was like on the ground in Saitama with our very own Michael Edgley. Edge, mate, how was it? Good afternoon, Rob and Dean. Um, well, what, a, what an experience for all of the Australian fans that were in Tokyo and made the long trek to Saitama. It's a, the, the stadium is quite a way out of town. Mm. And uh, it was a, a roller coaster of emotions uh, for the entire uh, the entire build-up to the event. Obviously, mm. um, if, I'm sure you maybe already have spoken to this, uh, about this off the top of the show, um, but in particular, the, um, the, there was a very buoyant mood uh, by the Australian fans uh, Travelling out to Saitama, um, uh, having a lot of fun with the Japanese fans, really because of that UAE result mm. that happened overnight prior to the match. Mm. And uh, the Australian fans really uh, were looking for a point mm. to go back in, in a really strong position for the match against Thailand. So that changed very quickly after the first goal, mm. and uh, things went downhill from there, no doubt about it. And I know you would have covered it in uh, probably great detail with John Cosmina, but. The reaction from the Australian fans to, to three things in particular, uh, the selection uh, of Aaron Moy not playing, and obviously when you're on the ground, uh, a lot of people don't have 
access to the latest information. So that is a that did come as a shock to a lot of the fans, and then and then obviously um, uh, the, the way the goals happened, uh, I'm sure you've covered it with John Cosmina. Defensive lapses uh, costing the Socceroos dearly, and as Dean will tell, uh, has told me many, many times over the journey, you, you make mistakes often uh, when you're playing world class opposition, you get punished, and that's what happened. Yeah, Reg, look, um, it, it's interesting, and uh, you know, we, we've, we've spoken um, to. Uh... Well, in, in fact, everyone's got the same opinion. We all watched Bozza and uh, Robbie Slater go really hard, and it sounds like the, the supporters and the fans over there supporting the country have gone in a similar way. You know, it's um, you're playing against world-class opposition, and um, you know there's lots of question marks on the 3-4-3. Three, three. Uh, Brad Smith actually starting because he's playing um, reserve team football. And, you know, the first goal, with all due respect, it's just accountability down to him where he'd lost his runner and, and was sleeping. Yeah, I think that was the most disappointing part of it because until that point, obviously, uh, you know, uh, Matthew Lecky hit the post mm. prior to that and, uh, you know, we, we could have had a goal. Uh, you know, in football there is a lot of ifs and buts. That would have obviously changed the dynamic. But uh, I think we shouldn't lose... Uh, we shouldn't lose sight of what it means to play Japan at home. And mm. it is the toughest match for Australia in uh, a World Cup qualification phase to play Japan at home. Uh, it is an incredibly intimidating atmosphere, and there are many, many sites in world sport, but I would uh, I would challenge anyone who uh, has experienced the samurai blue wall at mm. uh, the north end of the stadium in Saitama, which mm. just provides fervent and such um, positive support for their team. It is a tough place. We shouldn't lose sight of that. It is Australia's only defeat in the World Cup campaign today. It just comes at the most crucial time mm. and uh, well and truly lamp rides up a lot of pressure on the team. Um, but the whole fan experience for a, a travelling fan in Japan is something that is um, amazing. The Japanese mm. football culture is so welcoming. It's uh, so friendly. Uh, and when you go there, you can't feel but uh, be moved by the the positiveness and the commitment of the fans, it is something to see and uh, I'm sure um, people listening right around Australia who watched the match uh, get a little bit of an appreciation of it, but when you're there it uh, really does seep into you it's something it's something when, you're a, when you've been involved in the industry like uh, we have been and Rob for so long mm. you really crave uh, that maybe one day in Australia yeah. we could be the same but uh, yeah. it is world class and it is something to behold, it really is this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to Box to Box's own Michael Edgley from Japan. Now, you know, you, you talk about that uh, that experience uh, and the welcoming experience, but um, there was one piece of, uh, of, uh, of uh, well, what, what do you call it, a little message that the, the Japanese fans sent to uh, Australia um, after the after the game um, that uh, was a banner held up in the uh, in the stadium did you did you see that banner uh, uh australia for forever in our shadow i think it said uh yes it did and i think that was a uh, in, in fairness to the japanese fans that is a uh, a response to a banner that uh, some of uh, our own colleagues uh, mm. have put up on a number of occasions that uh, when australia wins Nippon forever in our shadow it is i think a mm. bit of friendly banter okay fair enough <laughs> No, nah, fair enough. If it was a if it was a return of serve, then that's very Australian for them to to, to dish it back with interest. So uh, yeah, I, I wasn't sure whether it was just a, a little uh, back end. Anybody uh, anybody who would uh, point uh, a mischievous bone at uh, that uh, banner mm. really probably 
uh, it doesn't understand the relationship between the fans. It was, I, I can just tell you, um, obviously we had uh, about 200 uh, fans in our group that uh, they travelling with us and after the game we had a meeting point before we obviously made a long trek back uh, 18 uh, st- stops on the station uh, to get back to our hotel mm. and uh, in a very crowded train. But I can tell you the, the photos that uh, the Japanese fans wanted to take with the Australian fans, people swapping scarves, people swapping jerseys, people mm-hmm. swapping shirts. It was um, just incredible experience. Um, Japanese fans um, commiserating with Australian fans, Australian fans mm. congratulating Japanese fans. It was and it was a really beautiful moment because we know, Dean, uh, our sport at times is not always like that. And no, it's not. It the most amazing experience. The Japanese fans are incredible. So anybody who would criticise uh, or, or try to build a, a, a something nasty out of that, right. I think doesn't matter what they're talking about. Yeah, well, if you, there was some, uh, if, when you, you look through social media, uh, there were some uh, comments about it, but uh, you seem to have uh, cleared that up uh, very clearly, Michael. And um, in terms of uh, the stadium, the, um, the 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 whole thing just looked like it was, uh, you know, just dripping with atmosphere. Um, you, you've talked to the game and how the the Australian uh, response was uh, was a you know a sharp focus after that that uh, first goal went in. But uh, you know, towards the end, we still hoped. And I know I was sort of uh, you know walking around the the room like a you know a cat on a hot tin roof, um, you know, hoping for for that uh, that goal. And even though we had you know about sixty percent of possession, we we just didn't seem to be able to fire a shot in the second half. Well, we talked about this pretty extensively last week on the show, did we, Rob? About mm. what would be Japan's approach? Halia Hodic mm. had been under a lot of criticism for the, the style that he's played in Japan. We shouldn't lose sight of the pressure he's been under uh, leading up, and, and you could tell by the response, uh, you know, by the Japanese coach when they scored their first goal. And then there was—I'm not sure whether you guys remember—there was a, there was a moment in the game where uh, a referee called a, a throw-in, which uh, yeah, should have probably gone Japan's way, went mm. Australia's way when it was only 1-0, and he reacted you know, vehemently, aggressively, oh, yeah. ran out of his technical area, mm. actually onto the field, and you can tell how much pressure he was under. Mm. Uh, there's no the, the Japanese fans, actually, when uh, prior to this, you probably didn't see this on the, on the broadcast, but uh, one of the world's great grand announcers, by the way, it's uh, just used uh, emotion and, uh, you know, in a very Japanese way, going through the, the names of the players before the game and obviously revving up the crowd and the, and the Japanese fans cheering on their players as the lineup was in. And then when he named the coach's name, there was a boo, mm. quite a quite an audible boo from the Japanese fans, which is quite unlike them. So they, they, don't, they don't like this coach. They don't, uh, they don't at all really um, connect with him. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a very, very, very interesting um, uh, component. And, uh, you know, I, I, I felt it in the lead-up, so it was a great pressure relief uh, for, for the fans. But no question about that. Now, Edge, uh, last question, because we're running out of time now. But we've got Tuesday coming up. So, you know, you were there. You were there live, saw it uh, for yourself. Uh, one, would you make changes? And two, how are we going to go about Tuesday? I think uh, you've got to make changes. No doubt about it. We spoke last week about the squad needing to essentially uh, be prepared for for two matches. Um, look, we need goals. Uh, we need to win convincingly. Uh, I think there's no doubt the team has it in them. There's no question the team has it in them um, to, to do that. Uh, I think they've just got to buck it down and do the job. Uh, it'll be difficult because they'll fly back into Australia. There'll be a lot of criticism. Uh, I think Ange Postacoglu will probably want to take that on his shoulders and relieve the plays of any distraction on that front. Um, you know, they will be devastated and disappointed. Um, I noticed at the end of the game, Ange Postacoglu 
after he uh, gave his congratulations to uh, some of the Japanese officials, then um, effectively just walked off by himself to, to obviously gather himself. And he actually spent a long time uh, contemplating, uh, looking at the ground uh, prior to his interview with Simon Hill on Fox Sports. I've not seen that interview. I'd be interested to know what uh, he said after the game. But he looked extremely... Uh, extremely hurt, very disappointed uh, prior to that interview, and I'd say that, um, you know, there's a lot going around in that man's head, and, uh, you know, um, uh, the question, obviously the question is posed, if Australia does not qualify and has to face the uh, the, the playoff against yeah, the third-ranked uh, Asian team, which is Syria at the moment, mm. um, will Ange Postecoglou survive to do that? Yeah. I think that yeah. is the question that needs exactly. to be posed, yeah. and I think that's, uh, that's obviously a... Uh, something that's going to play it in, in, in the next week. Exactly. Well, listen, uh, travel home safely. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Hopefully it'll be good news and hopefully Andrew will keep his job because uh, uh, everything will go our way. We're crossing our fingers. Cheers, boys. Have a great show. Excellent. Dino, stick around. We're going to talk Europe next. Box to box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport, streaming on the World Wide Web and, of course, our podcast on box to box ntscomau It's good to have your company all show to the uh, Dino. Um, I think now, this could be a first, couldn't it? It could have. We, we don't know. We need those other two blokes just quietly. <laughs> Who are they? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, Edge was good from Japan just now as well. Yeah, he He's, was, he uh, was. I went to drag him uh, away from his, uh, his duties. But, um, mate... Uh, there was other football on this week, and there's other football to come in the FFA Cup. The A League doesn't kick off for a couple of months yet. We're uh, we're now in spring, which is great. Which Winter's is lovely, over. yeah. Um, so it's getting closer, but uh, yeah, some results in the FFA Cup this week, generally uh, to script. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's uh, it was the round of 16 coming mm. to the to its completion. You know, obviously in the earlier earlier games, uh, those results have all been filed and uh, and ready for the draw. So what we what we had on uh, Tuesday night was. Uh, the Bankstown Berries against Sydney FC, and uh, to be fair to Sydney FC so far in this competition, they've uh, they've applied themselves like mm. they did, you know, and they always do uh, to try and get as far as they can into this competition. Mm. Uh, nice, reasonable, healthy crowd of just over two thousand. Mm. Um, but Broski, you know, uh, set it off the captain uh, in the fifth minute. The boy Bobo, who had a prolific goal scorer in, mm. uh, in an earlier round, I think it was in Darwin, where he got four. He mm. um, he got scored in the 61st minute. But it's the next boy that's really, really interesting. This is their new player from Poland. Mm. And I, when I was up in the Gold Coast at their pre-season, he was, he's, mm. he's just like nursing himself in. But they reckon this boy is unbelievable. And uh, Majewski. Um 91st minute, uh, just to cap it off and put the cream on top. Uh, but they reckon this boy could absolutely light up the A-League this year. Mm. You know, he's got a good pedigree. And I think what we'll do in a, another show when mm. we've got a bit mm. more time, mm. especially in the Sydney FC preview, we'll get a lot more detail about where he's at and yeah. where he's going. So that was that result. Then Bentley Greens obviously uh, beat my old club, uh, Hume City, uh, 
on penalties. Um, it was a tough day in the office for them. Um, again, healthy crowd, just over 1,600. Uh, but Western Sydney Wanderers, you know, A-League, they're getting fitter and fitter as as, mm. as, as each week goes by. Uh, Robbie Cornthway uh, in the 12th minute, then Nuriera in the uh, 53rd minute. Uh, Lustica scored in the 78th, and then Bridgie got one just in mm. injury time just to, to cap off. Uh, and to be fair, like it was 2-0 up until nearly 80 minutes. So yeah. it, the, I know Bentley are a good side. They will be competitive. Mm. They will be complaining about the fact they've got to back this up now and play um, tonight mm-hmm. in their uh, in their semi-final. So yeah. there's going to be a bit of pressure on there and the recovery. But uh, knowing Bentley, they're a good side, they're professional, and uh, hopefully they'll bounce back tonight. It then uh, went to uh, Bankstown. Now, uh, sorry, Blacktown. Blacktown are a good side, mm-hmm. and they're really, really impressed. Yeah, and as we've discussed before, uh, as strong we've done, football Very, pedigree. very strong. Just under a thousand at the Lily Home Stadium, mm-hmm. uh, but. To be honest, um, went down 1-0 to the boy Murray from Appia. Uh, but Gibbs, 23rd minute. Uh, Malia on the 52nd. And then the boy Gibbs again in the 68th. Uh, brought it to normal service and 3-1. And um, obviously they're through to the next round. The final game, which unfortunately for uh, Melbourne City, uh, came at a cost with Bruno Fornaroli uh, fracturing, I think, his ankle. And mm. I think he'd been operated on was yesterday, yeah. I think. Um, but again, uh, it was an interesting one. Jacobson started the proceedings for Melbourne City. Then De Jong uh, scored for Hokawa. Um, mm. And then Fitzgerald, 13th minute. Mm. Uh, the young boy, um, uh, J- how do we actually pronounce it? Genreau. Only a young lad. Um, a French boy from, that uh, obviously 18 years old now, mm-hmm. but he comes and uh, scores in the 62nd and then just to tidy it all up, Green in the 92nd minute just got one back. Yeah, so put a bit of... Well, I shouldn't say respectability because even a 3-1 loss against uh, City for Maccabi Hakoa would This have was been a competitive game. So, yeah. now, there was a bit in this one. Uh, just under 3,000, so that's a good attendance. Mm. And obviously... You know, the the attraction of Melbourne City coming to town mm. obviously boosted the crowd. But that really then really sets everything up now for, uh, I guess, the quarter-final draw. Um, mm-hmm. So, interesting. We've got uh, Heidelberg. This is all going to be on... Uh, well, the first, the first two games is going to be on Wednesday, the 13th of September. Heidelberg will hold a game at the Village against Adelaide United, uh, which... I think it's a great draw. It'll uh, it'll be a decent crowd. The last time they had an A-League club there, mm-hmm. other than Perth, uh, there was about 11,000 there. Was, there was a bumper crowd. Really bumper well, crowd. Well, Edge will be just fizzing when he... Uh, when he well, he will. And then uh, the, the, the game on the same night, it's a, it's a, it's a big game, this one. Mm. Sydney FC against Melbourne City. Mm. So, again... Uh, There'll be a lot to play for, and I think you know that Wednesday will be really, really good and exciting mm. for all the, the viewers and certainly our listeners to watch. So just two weeks away, those two games. And then uh, a week later, which is uh, Wednesday the 20th of September, uh, Banktown, well, this is absolutely brilliant for Blacktown. Mm. Blacktown against Western Sydney Wanderers. Yeah, so yeah, that should that be, what, that will be a sellout. Mm. Whatever, I think, I'm assuming, I don't know where it's at. It doesn't say yet. I don't, they're mm. saying the venue to be confirmed. Mm. But that will be a bumper crowd there because it's a local, you know, it's, yeah. it's around the corner. So, absolutely. And then the, the last one, which was an interesting one, Gold, um, Gold Coast City uh, to get mm. South Melbourne. They're so. sort of sneaking under the radar, Gold Coast um, City FC. And good to see because, uh, you know, the Gold Coast uh, as a, a sporting region gets whacked from pillar to post, you know, um, after... Uh, 
you know the uh, the you know the the difficulties uh, in the A League, obviously, um, and um, you know every other sporting organisation, whether it's the NRL, AFL, etc. No one seems to be able to survive basketball there. Uh, so uh, good to see. Well, that actually, some interesting well. news just coming off the Gold Coast. Mm. They've uh, they're obviously an NPL club up there in their mm. competition. There's a second Gold Coast team coming in, mm-hmm. and uh, my old mate Sean Lane, who was the Brisbane uh, Strikers coach, mm-hmm. has took the job. Oh, good. So uh, that's a little bit of news on the domestic front. So good luck to Sean and. Hope he goes well. Well, by the time these uh, four fixtures uh, are complete, we'll, we'll be in the shadows of uh, of the A-League season starting. So that, that's uh, the 13th of September, the uh, the Heidelberg-Adelaide game and Sydney FC-Melbourne. Uh, that's the uh, the first two fixtures that followed by on the 20th of September a week later the Blacktown City Western Sydney Wanderers and Gold Coast South Melbourne. Well done, Dino. After the break, we're going to talk to that man, Dennis Genro, the new signing for Melbourne City, find out how he settled into his new club. Dino, we're going to get through the international scene and some of the World Cup uh, fixtures that have been played in the last 24 hours. And uh, we'll wrap it up with uh, stoppage time uh, between the two of us, uh, a little special edition of, of stoppage time. That's all next on Box to Box. Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Welcome back. Second edition news shortly. Then we'll chat to Melbourne City's Dennis Genro, the new signing there. Dino and I are going to preview the international week in football. A lot of World Cup qualifiers. And we'll wrap it up with stoppage time. So... Dino, we've uh, we've chatted to uh, Cozzy, we've chatted to Edge, but one bloke we haven't had a chat to, but we certainly listened to a lot last night was uh, Mark Bosnich, former Socceroo keeper, who is constantly frustrated, as he says, by the Socceroos' decision to play out from the back on a consistent basis. Throughout the 2 nil loss to Japan, the Socceroos started a number of four A's forward with a pass from goalkeeper Matt Ryan, and that playing style proved costly for the second goal when Jackson Irvine was caught on the ball. And it appears Bozza may have had enough. To quote him, not in this case, but in a lot of other cases, I actually blame Matty Ryan for putting his defenders in silly positions because of the ridiculous instructions he's got from Ange to play out under all costs. You can't do that at top-level football. There are times where defenders are basically really, really knackered like they were tonight defending. He's got a great kick on him. He needs to clear his lines. Um, He didn't miss, Dino. No, he didn't. And uh, to be fair, it wasn't uh, it wasn't just uh, Bozza last night mm-hmm. uh, with with his thoughts. You know, uh, Robbie Slater was quite vocal as mm-hmm. well. Um, they were angry. Yeah, look, uh, I suppose we're all angry because getting beat's getting beat. We've all got beat, uh, mm-hmm. but it's how you get beat. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, and I can. I've got a theory. I, I used to love playing out from the back, and all the teams I've coached, I've always said. If we can get it on the deck, get it out from the back in good possession, get ourselves in good positions to go forward in a controlled manner, then it's going to work for us. But there's going to be times where, especially now, this you know we talk about the, the high press. And when you've got no options available to you and you're forcing it to a defender that's going, well, when I get it, what am I going to do with it? It's mm. only going to maybe go back to you. It's the mm. only ball mm. I've got, mm. which then if that bobbles and he's got to then take a touch, which... 
if you watch the game last night closely, the number of times it was very, very close when they pressed hmm. uh, Ryan as well. Yeah. That you know, and he because he's got good feet, he got out of it, but so easily could have. There was one particular ball. I don't know how he screwed it over and just chipped it over. But if he hadn't have done that, it would have hit the Japanese player that would have scored. Hmm. So look, I, I I guess I echo uh, Boz's thoughts. Um, I think you need to be smart. I think if you know, teams against you want to defend the way they do. So what Japan have done is they've dropped off. So then when you look forward, there's no gaps. But then if you do knock a ball 20 yards, you know, and there's a, a, a Japanese player five or 10 yards off you, mm. by the time the ball travels and it, he receives it, yeah. he's right on top of yes. him. So Matty Ryan's seeing this. He's yes. going, well, I know I can find him, but what's he going to do when he gets it? And he's facing me. Yeah. So we're not going forward. We're going backwards. So yeah. look... Um, Do you think, Dino, um, yeah. that there's a degree of Ange wanting to stick to his uh, his mantra that um, we don't play Route One football? You know, we're a team that plays on the ball, and and he's almost done that um, uh, in spite of the circumstances. Look, I've got the utmost respect for Ange. I've known him for 34, coming up to 35 years. 35 years time. In what? Sorry, in February, 35 years. Mm. I play against him in my second game. And that's when I first meet him. Don't know him then, then so much. Get to know him as the journey goes on. And to be fair to him, he's always had this thought process, certainly when he got into management. And, he, you know, we know, all know the journey. We all know the fuzzy thing and mm. all of what went on and the youth thing. But he has rebuilt himself mm. and he's had success. Yeah. And you can't take that away from him. Uh, he has his own beliefs, and I love that, you know, and I think he's more than entitled to, to have that. But again, it's like anything, he'll he'll reflect. And, you know, as you mature and get older, like we all do, uh, you sometimes go, well, this works and this isn't working. And he has to be the one that makes the decision when he feels he might need to change it to help his team. But again, how, how much authority would he be giving to individual players like Matt Ryan to, to use your best judgment under the circumstances uh, as opposed to, to going with the game plan? Because, you know, as uh, as Boz has said, I mean, let's be clear, he, he's uh, one of the... the the, the greatest uh, keepers uh, uh, internationally that we the past produced, yeah. four decades. Well, yeah. he, he's you know he's he's, uh, he's pretty much done it all in, in the world. Chelsea, game. Australia, yeah. yeah. So he's well qualified to comment. And when he talks about knackered defenders, and and it was a fairly cool night, to unseasonably cool, uh, 21 degrees in Saitama. Um, so um, you know it's not like. Uh, they were flat to the floor, but they'd played a very um, intense game emotionally as well as physically. So, uh, you know, maybe just that little bit of break and, and not give them um, the, the additional pressure of having to be creative out the back when they're, as you say, uh, under the pump from uh, from the attacking uh, Japanese players. Well, I think um, the answer is I don't know. I can't tell you that he's having this conversation with him and, and a different conversation there. But I think what... What he will have is like a consistent message that the team plays a certain way and he wants to be really, really fixated that we stick to that game plan and don't mm. start to change it. Mm. My personal opinion is I think that's great and you have your team ethos and this is the way we want to play, but you're individually seeing things that are happening at a really high speed and you mm. have to make mm. decisions. If you need to put your foot through it, and you think, just clear our lines, get a breather, and we start again. Mm. I've got no problem with any player that I've ever coached making a decision, don't die wondering. Uh, mm. Because I think the time where they start to get confused and go, I, I think I'm making the wrong decision here, and then they start to self-doubt uh, self their mm. own opinion, mm. 
then all of a sudden you've got a player then that's starting to lack confidence because he's mm. not quite sure should I or shouldn't I. So yeah. again, it's I think it's a really great debate, uh, but Len, I suppose we'll just have to see. Well, unless Matt Ryan's a poor judge, I think we're left to assume that he's been told what to do. And uh, as Boz has said, uh, I blame Matty Ryan for putting his defenders in silly positions. So so uh, pretty much that says it all. all right, let's move on because we've uh, we've dissected that game inside out. Uh, hopefully by this time next week we'll be talking about a uh, an entirely different scenario, Dino, uh, um, with the Thailand and the the Japan Saudi match um, to come. That will be a tense night uh, next week. Um, now Aaron Moy. He was, as we've all discussed so far, missing on uh, the uh, the big, big night. But um, Huddersfield have just continued their spectacular start. Uh, and, um, and Aaron, um, sadly for us, um, has been healthy playing for the Terriers, but um, but not for Australia. And, uh, you know, just... Um, just really settled in with uh, you know the, the the start of the season that would have come from his dreams. I think what um, most probably another analogy with Aaron Moy is, and I think this is for all Australian young players that are one aspiring, one to get into the system, maybe overseas or into the A League, is that I think the rule books now out the window. You know, Aaron Moy uh, was at was in England. And in Scotland, he was at St Mirren mm. and at Bolton and got rejected by both and mm. then came back to Australia, reinvented himself. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we know he went from Western Sydney Wanderers then to Melbourne City, got better and better and better. I mean, let's not forget ourselves. Aaron Moy was good, mm. very, very good at Western Sydney Wanderers. Mm. Then maybe as, as he started to mature into that 24 to 25 you know, I think it's 23 to 24. All of a sudden now he's really become good. And then what he's done, he's gone over there into the championship where they're actually predicted to get relegated. Mm-hmm. And he, not just single-handedly, but was very much the Pied Piper mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. He took them on the front foot, got them there, got through on the finals, through the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden now he's just grown another leg. And, you know, mm-hmm. even with regards to the Australian game, we missed him last night. You know, Maybe. and it's all right, the players going, oh, we're a squad of 23. Yeah, but we've only got one hour and more. We haven't got that much. He's our best player at the moment. So we Mm. we missed him terribly. Mm. And I think a lot of the possession we could have had would have been different if he was playing. Yeah, exactly. Matilda's head coach, Alan Stadich, has announced a 20-player squad for his team's two-match series against Brazil on home soil. The score will feature 2017 Best FIFA Women's Player of the Year nominee, Sam Kerr, who recently equaled Kim Little's National Women's Soccer League goal-scoring record of 16 strikes in a single season for her club, Sky Blue FC. The Matildas enter their two-game campaign against Brazil with confidence having recorded a 6-1 win over the South Americans at the recent 2017 Tournament of Champions held in the States. 19 of the players in Stadjic's squad were part of the Matildas Tournament of Nations triumph in July, while W League defender Georgia Yeoman Dale has received a recall to the national setup. And in related Matildas news, they're proving to be some pretty hot tickets, mate, uh, with uh, the games in Penrith and Newcastle. Less than 2,000 tickets uh, left. So the call of the FFA, they don't get a lot of pats on the back uh, for these uh, smaller venues, as seen unprecedented interest. And it'll be great to see the Matildas playing in front of uh, full houses, that's for sure. Now, close listeners to Box to Box, Dean, last week yep. would have heard a, a little suggestion from um, me. That um, Jackson Irvine was uh, on the brink of uh, signing with another club, and it did come to fruition with uh, the move to Hull City finalised. The Tigers paid an undisclosed fee for Irvine's services. 
handing the Socceroo a three-year deal with the option of a fourth. He will debut for Hull after completing his international duty. And as he said, I couldn't be happier. I'm just excited to be starting the next chapter of my career and sent off with the best wishes of Burton Albion. You only had to read the Twitter comments from the fans to see that that they were really um, proud and pleased and uh, and just said, mate, listen, when you come back uh, to play us, please just be a little kind. Well, look, I mean, we're, we're all very close to Jackson, mm. and you know, he's, I guess we call him family, mm. uh, which he is. Um, I think I think the Burton Albion experience has been fabulous for him. Mm. Uh, I think he's learnt a lot. I mean, the guy that he's worked under, Nigel. I've grew up with Nigel, so uh, you know, his father was most probably the most famous manager Brian Clough uh, that uh, England's produced and was always touted to be or should have been the England manager uh, very controversial Nigel I think is a less controversial figure but uh, he's always done quite well in the game Nigel not only just as a player uh, it was an in- England international played over here in Australia where I met him in Sydney mm. when when he came over and we, we had dinner together but you know growing up with him he, he's, a, he's a lovely lad he was quite quiet he's got a brother mm. as well that uh, I know quite well who's not far away from where I was brought up and uh, it's really like I think the the Burton experience will help Jackson moving forward. Mm. I think Hull City, I know the club reasonably well uh, through past managers that have been there. It's a great club. I've got a lot of friends in Australia that are from Hull are an mm. avid Hull City fan. So uh, I'm sure the Australian contingent over here and certainly mm. over there will get mm. behind them. It's a bigger club. It's a bigger mm. stadium. They've just come out of the Premier League. They've got the parachute money yeah. and they, they, they haven't had a great start, but they've had a good start. To and look, that, you, you know and I know that can change quickly in the championship yes. with the amount of games you've got coming up so mm. uh, you know hopefully it's onwards and upwards for Jackson and, and, and this maybe just helps him get to the next level of his mm. career mm. where he's playing consistent football at a team that's really pushing now to not stay in the league but get promoted into the next league yeah exactly well said mate um, well we've got plenty of news but uh, we can never get through it all can we mate um, next up we are going to talk to Melbourne City's Mark Dennis Genro, I should say, uh, the new signing from France. He's, uh, he's a great little story, uh, young Dennis, um, and uh, should do some pretty good things for City as they uh, look to start to achieve on some of the potential that we continually talk about because they do need a, a big year. Certainly with here. Alan Joyce as well, with his background, uh, you know, Man United, he's worked with a lot of top, top youngsters and I think he'll bring the best out of the young boys at uh, City. Yeah, and you'd think that Joyce has, uh, has got the, uh, the, the the knowledge on the ground at, um, at various clubs around the world to, to pick um, some good ones. So hopefully Dennis will be one of those and we'll talk to him next on Box to Box. Box to Box. For Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, they're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport on digital radio, streaming on the World Wide Web, and of course our podcast on Box to Box, nts.com.au. Now we've dissected the Socceroos inside out, but now we're going to have a chat to a rising star of football on the Australian scene, a new signing with Melbourne City. He was born in France, came to Australia at the age of two. His parents are from France, French people, of course. Well, it's not Aussies uh, coming back home, so uh, we've uh, plucked one from uh, the tricolour. Uh, Dennis Genro, Scotch college boy in year 12 right now. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Great to talk to you, mate. I think we're breaking new ground here because you're our, our first uh, schoolboy footballer uh, uh, on the program, and uh, and it's great to see. It, it must be just uh, uh, pinch yourself stuff um, to be doing year 12 and to, to be signed with a, um, a, a, the city group. Um, tell us about it. Yeah, it's awesome. I think um, I've always, my parents and I have always valued you know, schooling and um, the importance of schooling. So to um, 
obviously I love football and that's what I want to do for as a living but uh, I think it's also really important to be able to balance balance the life of school and get get a degree as well whilst I'm uh, whilst I'm playing professional football. Uh, Dennis, it's Dean here. Um, now you told us just quickly off air, just to get a little bit of background. Can you tell for our listeners uh, where you were born, your parents, and and the journey to Australia? Yep. Yeah, so I was born in uh, Paris in 1999, and um, we moved. So my parents came for their honeymoon, mm. probably about 10 years before um, before I was born, and they really loved Australia. They thought to themselves, yeah, they want to come live in this country. So um, we moved here in 2001, first moved to Adelaide. Um, just they didn't get any, offered any jobs or anything. I just decided to, to move um, to move here, mm-hmm. and um, then we moved to Melbourne about six months later. For uh, they got offered jobs there, so since then we've been living in Melbourne, and uh, yeah, they're loving it. And uh, you, you've been brought up here now, so I guess uh, even though you're a French boy by birth, you're more of a, a local Aussie, and uh, with all the normal Australian customs. Yeah, exactly. We still speak French at home, so we're keeping the language. Actually, just at the moment, my parents are in France. Uh, for a wedding, so they've uh, they're they're back in the hometown. But yeah, I think um, I, I feel I feel as though I'm more Australian because I've spent most of my life here. But um, it's good to be able to keep the language. Now, just to keep it like, especially from the local scene, and this goes, you know, this this is a national uh, station that goes to to all points of Australia. But everyone's got like you know a junior program. Just a little bit of background of how you got to City. Yeah, so um, I'll tell you a bit about my pathway. So I was in um. Back back before there was the Victorian Champions League, the uh, the um, like the Southeast Cougars in each region. I used to be in Brighton and under twelve. Yep. And uh, so I played for for that for that league, and then got picked for the under thirteen Skillaroos team. So um, I did that a year. Like I was I was twelve when I did it, so I was a year under. So I ended up doing that two years in a row. The under thirteen Skillaroos with Ivan Jolik. Yeah, no Ivan very well. Now. Yeah, no yeah. Ivan. And then um, yeah, just went through the state teams under fourteen. Uh, NTC, and then um, from the NTC challenge in 2015, I got um, a course from Melbourne Victory and Melbourne City saying um, they wanted me to, to do a bit of training with them. So I did about a week of training with each and then got the choice to go into the youth teams. Yeah. And um, yeah, ended up picking City. So I, I was with them for the um, with the under 20 squad that year and then playing a little bit of MPL seniors and then uh, MPL seniors a year after and then uh, <clears throat> did a bit of the preseason with the first team two years ago and then. Um, yeah, the full pre-season last year. Superb. Yeah. Now, you've obviously got a new manager in uh, Alan Joyce and got an unbelievable background with youth players and giving them their opportunity. How have you found working with him? Yeah, I, I find him... Um, I think he's still getting to know the players and getting to know us. Warren but, um, Joyce, by the way. My Warren apologies. Joyce, yeah. yeah. Um, but um, he's uh, yeah, he's really, really well known for, for youth development. So when I heard he was coming, I thought to myself, you know, it's really a really good opportunity to improve and to learn the English game, and um, so yeah, so I think um, so far, you know, he's been a really good coach, and um, he's really emphasising that aspect of physicality, you know, working hard, putting in tackles, and um, yeah, defending and not not conceding goals, which is um, which is really good for the club, and, and a really good aspect of football that. Um, that I can learn as well, which is a really massive difference from John Van Schiet last year. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to Dennis Genro, Melbourne City, still at school and uh, and hoping for big things with his career and uh, a very uh, exciting environment to be playing around uh, the likes of Tim Cale, Bruno Fornaroli. Um, can you tell us a bit about the, the, the players you play alongside of? Yeah, I think the midfield is uh, there's some really, really talented players actually all around the park and um, really experienced players as well. So, yeah, for a young guy like me coming through, 
it's really good to be able to learn off each player, especially you know the likes of Tim Cahill, you know Bruno Fornaroli. There's all um, they're all really really uh, experienced players and you know some of the best at what they do. So to be able to train with them every day, learn, see what they do in the gym, on the pitch, um, the way they conduct themselves off the field as well. I think um, you know for me to be brought up in such a professional environment mm. it, can, uh, it can only make me the, the best footballer possible and uh, and just going back to school because we've got a lot of young listeners who listen to the program how do you balance out your your um, your football commitments um, not only for the club but also you know the schools uh, expect uh, their uh, students to to commit to um, to sport with their school uh um, my son goes to school across the creek at St Kevin's, uh, the friendly rivalry there from Scotch, mate. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And and in, in a city like Melbourne, where AFL football is uh, the um, you know the, the the sport that gets most of the spotlight. Yeah, so um, you know, Scotch College has always been a bit of a, like a footy school, a cricket school, very traditional school, and they and they love that that um they've they've always participated in the in the school sport. But um, you know, the, the school's been really, really good with me in terms of balancing my um, my load with with um, the full-time training with, with Melbourne City and also the school sport. So um, I usually train in the morning up until one thirty-two, and then go to the school in the afternoon. And um, they've uh, they've you know they've been really good with me in terms of I can I don't have to do the, the spring sport and the uh, the summer sport, which is good. And then but they also want me to be able to. Uh, contribute to the soccer, mm-hmm. which is um, in the which APS is, program. Yeah, so I had to like I wanted to attend all the games and and support the team. I played one APS game this year, mm-hmm. um, but um, otherwise, yeah, in year, in year ten and eleven, I did all that. I had to do all the um, the school sport games. But this year, since I signed my professional contract, they've yeah. been um, a lot more lenient with that, which is good. Now, Dennis, it's Dean here again. Um, exciting week for you uh, with the FFA Cup, and uh, technically you scored the winner because uh, obviously they got a one a late goal. But uh, just talk us through the experience of playing in the FFA Cup, and uh, and also that fine balance that you know I think we talked off air about, you know, with that school and, and the excitement of, of playing in the A League and in the FFA Cup. Yeah, something I was really happy to be uh, in the squad, um, and then. Um, you know, it was unfortunate that Bruno got injured um, early in the game, and um, yeah, so Warren Warren decided to put me on, which is which is good for me. And um, yeah, so he put me out on the left and uh, to drop in into the middle. So it's a sort of an unusual kind of position for me because I'm used to being you know, more of a uh, central midfield, box to box midfield. But um, he put me out on the left and coming into the pocket and, and receiving in the middle, which is good for me. You know, good good uh, learning experience as well. But yeah, to get to get a goal as well and, and contribute to a really important game. For the club, um, I was happy. You know, first goal for the club was awesome. I'm, I'm wrapped. Brilliant. Now, listen, um, where's your expectation? And I know it's hard for a young man with a young shot on young shoulders. But where do you actually think, or what would you like to see for this season coming up in uh, the 2018? And who are you going to play for when you finally make that international? Grade? Yeah, actually, <laughs> that's a good question too. Um, well, I think I think Melbourne City have really high expectations of everyone. So I think we're, we're looking to. Uh, to win the league, we're looking to win the cup. We're looking to, to have a really, really successful season with the players we have. But um, yeah, personally as well, I want to be, get, be getting as much game time as possible, and um, yes, hopefully breaking into that starting eleven um, towards the end of the season. That's my goal. And um, but yeah, otherwise I just want to play them uh, as much as possible and have a, have a really good season with mm-hmm. Melbourne City. But then eventually, you know, I think it's every every boy's dream to play overseas. So you know, somewhere in France, maybe or England. Um, 
And play with the Socceroos. We won't put too much pressure yeah. on you. Hey, mate, uh, thank you, Dennis. It's been wonderful talking to you. Uh, all the very best for your career ahead, and we'll be watching your, your season with interest. Thank you very much for having me. That's yeah. wonderful. Uh, stick around next. We're going to talk to Dino in a little more detail about uh, the international scene, World Cup qualifiers around the world, next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you the Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Welcome back to Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport on digital radio, of course. Streaming on the World Wide Web and the podcast on boxtoboxnts.com.au where you can listen to every one of the previous 93 episodes of this program if you choose to. And uh, if you uh, want to hear some uh, of the... Uh, Insights of Michael Cockrell, the uh, sadly departed Michael Cockrell. Um, you'll find uh, at least three, possibly four chats with Michael uh, on the podcast. And, uh, and and just jump on the website, boxtoboxnts.com.au. There's some great uh, stories there and background across uh, various uh, stories in sport over the past couple of years that uh, that definitely haven't dated. And, uh, and Mike was a great man uh, when he joined us on the program. Now, Dino, are you tired of being distracted and want to focus more? Very much so. Do you think Brad Smith is? <laughs> I think Brad's got a little bit to concentrate on, yeah. Maybe he needs to try Floris Keenmine. Flordis Keenmine is new to Chemist Warehouse. Flordis Keenmine, spelled F-L-O-R-D-I-S, Keen, K-E-E-N-M-I-N-D, Keenmind, may assist in supporting memory and concentration, helping you stay mentally sharp. Clinical trials have shown that the extract of Bacopa Monieri used in Flordis Keen Mind may help mental clarity, working memory and maintain healthy cognitive function. Looking after your memory is a no-brainer with Flordis Keen Mind. Right now, Flordis Keen Mind is just $24.99 at Chemist Warehouse. Always read the label. Use only as directed. If symptoms persist, consult your healthcare professional. Chemist Warehouse, lowest prices guaranteed. Now, Dino, if the symptoms persist, they will be consulting Ange Postacoglu because he will be expecting them to use some of this product ahead of next Tuesday night's game. Big, big game, uh, and I think uh, the boys should be on it. Uh, I think I might be joining them as well. And, uh, yeah, it's a big game for for Australia. It sure is, mate. Now, it's been a big week, as always. uh, The... um, International break, of course, uh, applies around the world. This is a FIFA date, so no, uh, no big time football in the domestic. Now all the domestics are shut down, and it's all focused on the the World Cup qualifiers, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, and some big results. Well, we've we've really uh, from last night's games uh, over in Europe. Um, we've got really three groups to look at, mm. um, and obviously we can preview the other groups moving forward. But uh, in overnight news out of Group A. Uh, and there's some interesting results here. Uh, Bulgaria have beaten Sweden, and, and Sweden are top, and mm. Bulgaria second bottom. It just goes to show you how competitive you know these these international mm. games can be. So Bulgaria have turned the Swedes over three two. Uh, France have made a, a mess of most probably the Netherlands four nil, and that mm-hmm. was really a must win or at least get a point for the Netherlands. So mm. that. Again, with the Sweden loss, it still keeps them in touch, I guess, but it, they'll be disappointed with that. And then uh, Luxembourg have uh, beaten Bel- Belarus um, uh, 1-0. So, mm. um, again, interesting, you know, with Luxembourg being uh, bottom as well, uh, mm. but they've got a, a win against Belarus. So, uh, 
I mean that that real the draw in the group A is really Sweden on 13, France on 13, and the Netherlands on 10. So yeah, Belgium just getting over the line over Gibraltar. They're doing. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> Nine nil. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that's Group H. I mean, um, Belgium are a top top side, as we know, mm. did well uh, and have done well for the the last three, four, five years. Uh, but nine nil, it just shows you where that's where the disconnect sometimes can happen in Europe. Mm. Uh, but Cyprus have turned over Bosnia, and I think that's quite an interesting result. Where you know that that could have uh, many factors moving forward with regards to like. Because with Bosnia getting beat, it, they've maybe lost an opportunity then to, to jump ahead of Greece. And, mm. and I think they'll, they'll be kicking themselves there. Um, and then Greece uh, followed up with a nil-nil draw with Estonia. So, mm. And in, in so far as uh, our group is concerned, uh, some results that, uh, that, that affect us are that uh, South Korea um, only managed a nil-all draw against Iran, but uh, Uzbekistan lost to China so uh, so they're the two teams that uh, we seriously have to start considering because uh, you know as much as uh, people like to be optimistic about um, the outcomes of uh, games that are yet to be played we we're all optimistic that we'd get a draw against Japan so I- I'm not confident that um, that Tuesday night Wednesday morning is going to treat us kindly I think we've got to start to prepare for um, for that that long and rough route through so well you do have to prepare for it but again I think you still while, while there's it's in your own hands and to a degree slightly with somebody else's but it's hands not there. At the, at it's the not in our hands mate I well, mean, it, well it is to get our results I mean we have to go and get the result we know mm. the result we need to get a lot of goals uh, make sure the goal difference is spot on and then you've just got to hope that Japan show up and you know, and, and draw as opposed to, uh, to getting beat. Um, mm. But with the other group, I mean, Iran home and hosed and dusted and mm. uh, career on 14 points. But you, you're quite mm. right, you know, with that. So the way that group sits right now is you've got uh, Iran, as you say, sitting home and hosed. They were the first uh, team to qualify after, obviously, the home side who gets automatic qualification, sitting on 21 points. So Korea now on 14. Yep. Syria have moved Jumped. into uh, equal third spot with Uzbekistan, so uh, you know they're gonna, there's a lot of emotional uh, support there for Syria if uh, if they can uh, manage to get the job done, and uh, we won't be the uh, um, the popular. The, pick only, the, the only, world, the only downside way. for Syria, and but again, this might not be downside. Their mm. next game is against Iran in mm. Iran, mm. but again, Iran's got the coming Q, off a three-one win against Qatar. Cu- the, the Q's in the rack, isn't it? Mm. So it's part of the pun. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is. I mean, it could be where you know t- they don't. Iran just goes, well, we're, we're home and hose. We'll just play some of the mm. youth players, give mm. them some experience because mm. we've won the division mm. and that might open the door that Syria can maybe creep in. Uh, and let's have a quick look. Uzbekistan. And they say, now, this is interesting. It's now with Uzbe- Uzbekistan moving to fourth. But mm. They're only two points out as well. So even if they were to win and um, Syria were to get beat, Uzbekistan could still finish second. Mm. So it's really, really tight in that that division there. Mm. So it's uh, interesting in that group. I think we know what our group's all about. And I think also with regards to in Europe, um, uh, the Group B one was uh, where Portugal beat the Faroe Islands 5-1, Hungary beat Latvia 3-1, and Switzerland uh, more than uh, capable there against Andorra. And that now 
really puts Switzerland on 18 and Portugal 15. That that group's done and dusted. Uh, mm. Hungary are seven points. It's not even worth discussing. It's really it's, it's a two-horse race, and it's mm. now just a matter of who finishes top and who mm. finishes second. Yeah, and a big week in South America as well. And uh, let's not forget the Kiwis playing Solomon Islands in the uh, Oceania. Oceania, yeah. Yep. We wonder whether. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if we were sitting in that group right now, mate? We don't think we'd be um, be too concerned, would we, Dana? No, just on just on that that particular South American one, which is you mm. know it's always fascinating with the South Americans. Mm. Brazil home and hose, they're already in. But if you look at the logjam where the current uh, league table is now, you've got Colombia on 24 points of a second, Uruguay third 23 chile 23 argentina 22 Mm. and then most probably ecuador in sixth place have got a bit of a chance on 20 points i mean there's four points separating five teams for qualification Mm. so it's really really tight and the games that are coming up are really going to be tight where if we're going to highlight any particular game uh it's most probably the Uruguay versus Argentina, which pits them third versus fifth. And if Argentina can go away to Uruguay and win, that will put them in an unbelievable position for automatic qualification. Right, and uh, and just a, a quick look at uh, the the CONCACAF grouping. Well, I think where, that's important, yeah, isn't it? It is, because we need to know uh, who were the likely candidates, do you know? Yeah, well, as it stands, and uh, you know, the games are kicking off September the 1st, which is today, but... I always get a bit mixed up on, <laughs> on where we are on on the actual. Yeah, so they're usually the sort of the day behind. Yeah, the day yeah. behind, aren't they? So, um, but Mexico are on 14, Costa Rica 11, USA 8, Panama 7, Honduras 5, and Trinidad 3 points. So, what does that really mean? Uh, it means that the US are playing Costa Rica, so it's 3v2. So again, if for argument's sake, um, in fact, this would be if if the USA were to beat Costa Rica and they are at home. 1-0, mm. the goal difference would be the same, but if they go on goals for, which is the more goals you've scored, gives you the advantage, mm. then they would actually move into second place. Mexico have got a game against Panama, uh, and they're at home, so I think I think Mexico can pretty well almost seal that. Mm. Um, and then the Tip, Trinidad... We want Mexico to seal that. We don't want to be playing them. No, we don't, but, but I think what I'm saying is they will seal it. Mm. You know, I, I don't think they'll slip up against Panama. Um, and then realistically... Then it's really Costa Rica, USA for me. Both tough. Both very tough. <laughs> Both very tough. God, I mean, and we thought that playing um, against the South Americans was difficult. There's, uh, you know, it took uh, a, what at least three attempts to get through Argentina, Uruguay, and then Uruguay the third time. So, geez, th- this is looking tricky. I, I reckon we're a real 50-50 shot. I don't want to be the uh, sort of um, the pessimist. I've already said that, but. Um, it's it, if we get to the World Cup next year, we'll have done well. I think so. I mean, look again. We we might be just talking at next week's show, and it's all done and dusted, and we're home and hose, and we're mm, there. Mm. But uh, there's a lot to play out, yeah. not just over in our competition, but you know, certainly in the South American one, we've just looked at. Yeah. Okay. All right, Dino. Well done, mate. Um, anything else to leave us with? A uh, little uh, sort of um, sneaky piece of. Uh, gossip or uh, or some uh, late transfer news the transfer window closed of course there was plenty going on there uh, Look, there is one i will and i'll touch on this and this for me is for the first time in a long long time there's something refreshing about football mm. um the ox uh, oxlade chamberlain yeah. arsenal's played every game this season mm. so far mm. 
has an unbelievable offer, uh, 40 million the price tag, um, and he's going to Chelsea. That's the deal that's been done. Mm, mm. 180,000 pounds a week. Then decides that he doesn't want to go there. So the deal's done between mm. the two clubs, but the player's saying, I don't want to go. Yeah. Okay. Where do you want to go? Yeah. Liverpool. Yeah. So he goes to Liverpool, £120,000. So he's dropping £60,000 a week for one reason only. It can only be one reason. Football mm. reasons. He wants yeah. to play for Liverpool yeah. and feels that his fit will fit more with mm. the way mm. they play than, say, Chelsea. Yeah. And for me, when was the last time we heard one of those stories? Really? I mean, I mean, let's not kill ourselves. £120. That's <laughs> a quarter of a million dollars a week. He'll be able to pay the... Uh, he the won't be short. Bill. He won't be short. And um, But look, I, I admire him and I respect him for that. And I think the more stories we hear like that where they actually don't worry about the money, how much mm, money... Mm. I mean, we have it in the AFL sp- mm. space with Dustin Martin, don't we? Just, just use mm. an analogy. Mm. But how much money do you need? And he's, you know, dropped 200000 a year, mm-hmm. which is... Well, pocket change now compared, yeah, isn't it? But absolutely. anyway, refreshing story. Absolutely. Now, stick around. This is a, a Dean and Rob edition of Stoppage Time. <laughs> and now I'm going to shock Dean. Um, and, uh, and and Dean, after the break, you are going to be coach at Ange Postacoglu. Now, you are going to restructure our side to guarantee us a, a big, big win over Thailand because we want to win 4 or 5 nil. So, Dino, I need you, after the break, in stoppage time, to dissect our squad and choose the team that is going to dismantle Thailand and give us every opportunity, should the latter result that night against Saudi Arabia and Japan go our way, to qualify for the World Cup. Dino, your time starts now. Stick around, listeners. That's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. For Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, they're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Welcome back to Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sports, streaming on the World Wide Web, and of course, the podcast on Box to Box NTS.com.au. The fourth official signals. There's eight minutes left in stoppage time. Now, Dino, I gave you a task. Before we get into that task, however, when you need storage, who do you go to? Storage King. Of course, and our great sponsors have joined us back for another 12 months, which we are very, very grateful. Tony Scalius, uh, Michael Tate, all the boys there at Storage King, thank you very much for your support. So if you need space, you need trucks, you need boxes, you need packing materials, and you need removalists. So if you need help, there is everything related to storage at Storage King because they are the kings of storage, moving and more. Get onto the website storageking.com.au or call 1-800-STORAGE because it's a difficult task to move. It's a difficult task to relocate. It's a difficult task to downsize. It's a difficult task to declutter. When you need to do that, Dino, you've got to call Storage King. 1-800-STORAGE. There are great mates at storageking.com.au. I think uh, a few players, uh, if they don't um, deliver the results on Tuesday night, Ange might be telling them they can uh, they can pack their international kits uh, and head off to Storage King. Look, um, there is a lot of pressure on us now, um, but it's, again, in our own hands to a degree of the result we have to get. Mm. Um, so, again, it's... It's not an easy task being a manager, which you've uh, given me the task of now picking the Australia team right, for that game. Okay, um, so uh, so we need to win big. We need to win. Uh, we need to score goals. So we need to have potent strikers up front, and we need to have a, a, a strong defence that can rebound. We need to keep that ball in play my, as often as my possible. My problem I've got as being Ange is that. Mm. 
I'm not going to change the style of play, and I don't mm. know whether he will. Well, I know he won't. He'll mm. go still with this three, four, one, two, or two, one. You know, it's it's, it's it really for me. It's like a three, four, three, and, mm. it, and but it moves. It's like any system in the world. Mm-hmm. They're only there when you look at them in still frame. And yes. Then once the ball moves, everyone shifts around, and everyone knows what they've got to do. Does it? I'm going to stick with, obviously, Ryan in goal, Matty Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got no issue with him. Uh, well, Mitch Langerak is uh, back at his club sorting out some issues there. So you don't think he'd pick Adam Federici, Federici uh, or Danny Vukovic? No, uh, I don't think so. I think, look, Matty Ryan really didn't... Could he have done a little bit better for the second goal? I'm not sure. Uh, he had no chance with the first one. But with the second one... It was a worldie, he, though, wasn't it? It was a worldie strike, but he's, he seems to have took it with his... Diff- instead of using his left hand, he's come mm. across with his right mm. hand, if you can imagine that. Mm. And, um, you know, obviously, that's going to be safer or stronger because it's in the right position. Where and for you, our listeners who are not watching Dean with the magic of radio. I've got and I'm certainly no goalkeeper. <laughs> but no, we'll stick with Matty Ryan. I would. I think I might change up the back three. Um and, it, and it's nothing against uh, Matt Spranovic. I just think Bailey Wright on that side, very, very physical, naturally plays on that side. The, the times when you want to get out on that particular side, being the left-hand side, is going to be a more natural process. Mm. Uh, Trent Sainsbury, for me, man of the match. Uh, mm. So he's an absolute inclusion. And I thought Millsy did well as captain. Uh, mm. So for me... Uh, Millsy will be in the back three as he was, so the only one change in the back three would be I'd bring Wright in for um, Spiranovic. Mm-hmm. I would also um, make a change also in regards to what we do in wide areas. I thought Matt Leckie at times, you know, things didn't work for him all of the time, but the one thing with Matt Leckie is he's got that pace and he's got that endeavour to work up and down both yeah, sides. Yeah, and, and he did uh, have and our he's best in goal chance. scoring form in Germany. <clears throat> he did. So I, I'd keep <clears throat> Matt Leckie in. I'd also keep uh, Jackson, you know, mm-hmm. and I know people have talked about could he have had a, a better hand in the goal, but again, it's, it's he's facing backwards. He's not facing mm-hmm. the way he should be going. Well, he was the last line of defence on his own. So, uh, you know, and, and when you're playing a, a young player who's, who's just playing out of his skin, um, then, uh, you know, you're under the pump there. And Jackson, you know, we don't want to be, uh, you know, focusing on, on one particular player, but uh, but he did have a good game. He all had around. a very good game. Um, and for me, um, I, that's why I would I'd keep him in the side. Mm. Uh, I think Aaron Moy has And we to... liked what he did against Chile. We know what oh, he's capable yeah, look, of doing. It's fabulous. I mean, he's he's done really really well. Um, you know, there was a question was asked off air. You know, could he have contributed? Of course you do. Everyone can contribute to it. But it's like anything. You put yourselves in bad positions, and mm. then you know sometimes the effects of what comes off next. In that particular spell of that second goal, there were four missed tackles. Mm. Four, mm. not one. Four. Yeah. So again, a lot of defending could have been done well after that. Aaron Moy comes back in. Yes. Must get him in to pull the strings. And I would take Brad Smith out of it mm. and I would bring Gers back in yep. and uh, young fresh uh, up and down got a lot of pace um, and then the, the top end's a little bit difficult but I'm going to go still stick with Rogic mm-hmm. I still think Rogic was, most probably didn't have one of his best nights mm. but I still think 
quality contributor, certainly at Celtic week in, week out. Mm-hmm. And then I would start with Juric mm-hmm. up front. So that would be my change. So and and Juric was carrying a knock as well, didn't come until late. So you'd hope that he's... Um, he's a lot a fresher. So it's Ryan, Milligan, Sainsbury, Wright, Leckie, mm-hmm. Irvin, Moy, Gersbach, Rogic and Juric, with also the fact of I wouldn't mind seeing Jamie McLaren get on as well with his yeah, pace. Yeah, yeah, that he was talked about a lot last night as well, wasn't he? He was. All right, Coach Postacoglu, <laughs> uh, we will review your uh, selections next week to see how accurate they were. Could be, <laughs> could be sacked in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you might not be the only one just quietly if uh, we don't get the result against Thailand. That um, we're just assuming that that's going to happen. Uh, if that didn't happen, and uh, just imagine uh, that uh, Japan knock off. Um, the uh, the the powerhouse of the the Green Falcons, then uh, then they'll be held to pay. But uh, that said, even if we do lose it, um, it doesn't seem that uh, the the UAE could overtake us. Uh, even though there is a, an argument mathematically that they could, if we lose, that the UAE could jump into that. If first you don't spot. get a result against Thailand, then technically, if you scrape in or you don't scrape in, you most probably don't deserve to go to. I mean, don't forget, this is our first result that we've lost. So yeah, it's yeah, a first yeah. defeat, yeah. and it's not an easy place to go to Japan, and we're no. not really good over there. No. So it, it's not totally unexpected, but mm. I think when you're at home against Thailand or a bottom, you know what you've got to do, and let's get the job done. Yeah, you've, you've said it um, perfectly. If we can't get that result, then uh, we deserve to be watching the World Cup on TV. That is full-time on Box to Box, Dino. Uh, it's been great working been fabulous, with you. Yeah. you know, one out tonight. Uh, been a uh, hopefully a good show for the listeners. Uh, again, vale to uh, Michael Cockrell. Um, it'll be uh, and to his family. Thoughts to the family. Exactly, it'll be a different world of football ahead uh, without him. But uh, imagine him knocking on uh, the door uh, up uh, in the uh, the pearly <laughs> gates and Johnny Warren and Les Murray saying, "What are you doing here?" A bit early for you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, well, we um, we can only think th- good thoughts and uh, and as you say to his family and, and very close friends. Join us next week on Box to Box. However, when we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game. Hopefully there'll be good news. I know I've been pessimistic. Dean's been the optimist. This time next week we could be talking about having already qualified for Russia. Exciting show next week. Celebrating hopefully the success that the boys brought us home. That's next week on Box to Box.